Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we're going to be talking with Carrie Link, who's the author of Will of God, Embracing the Relentless Love of a Special Child, which details her spiritual journey after giving birth to her wonderful son, Will. I feel very honored to introduce Carrie. Carrie Wilson Link is a Portland, Oregon writer. Her work has appeared in several online and print publications. Carrie has been a blogger since 2006. Her site, Love, has a worldwide audience of special needs parents and spiritual seekers. In addition to writing, Carrie is an advocate for the inclusion of special needs students in Catholic education. Structured around the Four Noble Truths, Carrie's memoir, Will of God, Embracing the Relentless Love of a Special Child, takes you on the spiritual journey of a mother who has one idea for her life and is handed the exact opposite. Carrie is working on her next memoir, which shares her exploration into the metaphysical. Welcome, Carrie. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here with both of you. Thank you. Well, your book talks so much about this idea all of us have about this perfect life we're going to lead. You know, the perfect parents we're going to be and the perfect children we're going to give birth to. (laughs) Right. Just walk us through your path and take us back to the beginning before you became a mom. Yeah, um, I was a teacher, like the both of you, and I taught in both Catholic school and public school. And after teaching in Catholic school, I, and we weren't Catholic at the time, I knew that I wanted to have my children, my future children, attend Catholic school. And so we started off with our daughter, and she did attend Catholic school. And by the time um, Will was born, it was quickly determined that was going to be a tough thing to make happen. But we did. And I'm proud of all the efforts of many, many people who realized it's time in history to allow special needs students to attend Catholic school where they belong. And that's where they want to be. And they're part of that community. And that's where their siblings go. Here, here. Yeah. So that's just kind of the rough and dirty. Um, Will was born... And he started crying immediately and didn't stop. I mean, he was inconsolable. It was far beyond colic. And it went on for 18 months. So we finally got a diagnosis. At that time, it was PDD-NOS, which I don't think they use that term anymore. It was pervasive developmental delay, not otherwise specified, which really was kind of pre-autism, which eventually he did get that diagnosis. At 18 months, uh, we then started all the therapies speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and it helped a lot, but, and it did um, break the isolation because then it put us in touch with um, teachers. We got into an early intervention program, and that's kind of where uh, the story started to get better. But it's, you know, he's 23 now, almost 24, and he's, it's hard to believe he was ever a kid that cried nonstop because he's the most joyful person you'll ever meet now. He's so happy. And we call him Joy Boy. And he is just, he exudes happiness and peace and love. And he's definitely my greatest spiritual teacher. And he's, and he still remains my greatest challenge. I mean, it's both. It's that double-edged sword of he's, I can't imagine my life without him. And yet it's just been not the life I imagined. 18 months of crying. I can't, I can't visualize that. What what does that do to your psyche, to your marriage, to your energy? Because you're an empath, you're an intuitive medium. 
so you feel things even more deeply. What uh, what were those yeah. first two years like for you? Uh, well, you know, we and we it was a crazy time. My dad had just died, and I was dealing with settling his estate, which was super complicated. And we were doing it long distance, and this was before we even had email, you know, and or a cell phone or any of that. And um, we had moved into a tiny house, and we were in two bedrooms, and it was just my husband called it the pressure cooker. And it just was, I mean, it just was, it was brutal. And um, I think that the only thing that got our marriage through it was sheer tenacity. I mean, we were just, you know, we couldn't really work on the marriage. And so I think we both sort of understood that and just kind of put that on a shelf for later, you know, and just gutted it out. I mean, he not only cried, he needed to be um, jostled. In fact, when he was an infant, I took him to the doctor and I said, I'm worried he's going to have shaken baby syndrome because what it takes to calm him down seems so extreme. And he assured me that was not what was happening. But, you know, he just needed to be jiggled like, uh, you know, constantly. So I got, you know, and I'm so super right handed. And so everything I did was with my right hand. My right arm muscles were gigantic compared to, to my left. You know, it was it was physically emotionally spiritually draining in every single way and very isolating because he mm -hmm. cried so much you really couldn't take him anywhere you know and so we were just home or in the car trying to get him to calm down in the car we played you know lots of music in the car and in some ways the car was a sanctuary because it didn't matter how much he was crying I knew it wasn't bothering anyone but me you know everywhere else yep. you're like ah oh, this is a this is a problem for people you know and then you take all that on Oh, and the pressure of that. And how old was your yeah. daughter at this time? She was two when he was born. Wow. And the poor thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, she's 25 now, and I and she's moved back home and is living with us. And in some ways, we're call, calling it Link 2.0 because it's a chance for us to have a reboot on our family life. And it's great and healing. And I do want to give hope to parents out there that, it does get better, but it's don't expect it to get better immediately. It's going to take a while and whatever that a while is, you know, try to trust that it'll come. But I mean, we're in such a good place now in such a different place. And, and their relationship is, has never really been a sibling relationship, a tr you know, a typical sibling relationship. She's very uh, caring for him and he adores her, but she was really sort of the third caretaker, really. And that's a lot to ask of a child. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really important point that all my years as a special ed teacher, but also having uh, a sibling who had uh, needed special education as a child, it people discount the familial impact that happens. They don't realize that, and, and no disrespect to any teachers that may be in special ed that are listening, but if you haven't lived it at home and realized the impact it has on every single member of your family, and you bring that up throughout the book, uh, and one of my favorite, favorite parts of your book is when you describe being away uh, at Sisters. And mm -hmm. personally, I loved it because I've been, that's a incredibly, incredibly gorgeous part of the country, but also yeah. the earth energy there, the healing energy there, and just brought me right back to when I lived in Oregon. But mm -hmm. it also, you've, you've threaded that beautifully throughout the book, how it has impacted your daughter, your, your uh, husband, your marriage, and your son, but how you beautifully link that all together. 
So can you think of, like, if someone's listening right now, some things that you could offer them to, to stay strong? Because that's what it really takes is tenacity and the perseverance to say, we'll get through this as a family. Yeah. Well, yeah, the tenacity, the stubbornness, you know, just I'm too stubborn to quit, you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was a strength, right? That stubbornness that's a challenge at times can be your strength. I mean, I think that's true with all of our strengths that when overused, they become our challenges and vice versa. I I think that a sense of humor is really helpful. I made myself laugh by telling myself little jokes and just keeping myself sane by kind of having an internal dialogue that made me giggle, um, trying to find the humor in the absolute ridiculousness of what, sometimes of what you're doing. Trying, well, definitely the biggest thing was my face that kept me going and just believing that um, there was not an accident. This was not something that happened to us. And there were blessings in this, even though you don't want anyone to say that to you at the time, you know, that, that you dare tell them, right. oh, well, <laughs> at least you get to, you know, what, all those little well-wishing things that just make you feel unheard and unseen. Um, but I did believe that I was meant to be his mother, that I was chosen, that we were on a journey together. And that kept me going. And the other thing that was really helpful was I did have support. We had my husband's parents lived in town and were very helpful. They did not understand Will, uh, but they didn't judge and they were willing to help. And that was huge. And even, you know, people that don't, a lot of people that are in your close knit circle don't really understand. And you have to forgive them for that because there are a lot of things in life in my, that other people in my life are going through that I don't really understand. And I tried to remember that, you know, that they're doing the best they can too. And if they just try, that that goes a long way. But yes, I would say support, my faith and humor were the big things that got me through. And writing. Um, I started writing about, I didn't write until I thought she was probably nine when I got really serious about um, blogging and trying to start a memoir. And that then the blog helped connect me to a lot of online special parents. And some of them I've never met and they live all over the country and world, but they were true support. It's amazing what an online community can do for you when you're feeling alone. Yeah, I think that's such good advice no matter what you're going through, whether it's a special needs child or anything else in your life. Reaching out to community is so essential. I want to hear how you advocated for Will, but first paint a picture of of who he is and and what he was like growing up and and how he's your your boy joy now. I love that. (laughs) Well, he's super funny and he always has been. And he, you know, they say that um, a lot of people think that people with autism don't understand sarcasm or humor. He does. He totally understands all that. And that's been a huge thing because we can be sort of irreverent and sarcastic with each other. And he gets that and loves that. He has always had a deep connection to God. Now, that means he's highly verbal, but he doesn't ever give you a straight answer. So that's been part of my um, intuitive journey has been to know what he really means and what he's really saying, because he never says what he's really thinking. 
And it's all, always a guessing game. I mean, and he never expresses pain or emotion. He doesn't tell you he's sad. He doesn't say he hurt, got hurt. If you see that he has a bruise or a scrape and you ask him what happened, he won't tell you. So although that being said, he's almost never hurt. He's almost never sick. He's just, uh, he defies all that. And he has a terrible diet. And it's amazing that he even exists, <laughs> let alone thrives. But he does. But he um, has always had this God connection. And that was one big part of our uh, road to Catholicism and wanting him to be in a Catholic school because we knew he had this special connection. We want his wanted his education to be faith-based. And now at 23, he's, he is not by any means independent, nor will he ever be. But the one thing he does independently, and it's really the only thing he does independently, is he rides his bike to church, which is just like six blocks from us and not across any busy streets. And he goes to mass four times a week. And he is super involved in church. He goes to wow. the fish fry and, and bingo night. And, you know, he helps with religious education and he helps uh, with liturgy of the word and all those parts. He loves it. He's deeply connected to the priest and the deacon of our church and all the people in the choir and the choir directors. If church starts at 5.30 on Saturday night, he's there at 4 when the doors open. That is so beautiful. Yeah. So that is his, that's his thing. You know, people say, well, what's his thing? What does he want to do? What does he want to be? What are the goals for the future? And like, he's doing it. You know, he's doing it. He wants to be part of a parish. And he, an integral part of a parish, and he is. He knows, we have a big parish, and he knows every single person in it. Their first name, their last name, who their kids are, what grade they're in, their dog, all of that. And it, he makes people, he is the best at just holding space. He knows when people are sad, hurting, and he did that even as a little boy in school. Uh, there was a kid that was upset. He would just go stand by them. You know, he wouldn't say anything or put his hand on their shoulder or, anything like that, he would just kind of stand there and hold space. I don't know how else to describe it. And, and it's been, it's his superpower. It also feels like it's a genetic connection with his mom who's wired the same way. <laughs> well, that's, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So what I love about this, Carrie, is that you've gifted your son with the tools he needs to find his place. And so many uh, young adults, whether they have a differing ability level or not, are really confused on the planet right now. So you've helped your son find, this is who I am. This is what brings me joy. This is how I can raise my vibration and be a part of life. But I think it would be really helpful to some of our listeners of how did you switch to that mindset from the grief of realizing that your son would be taking a different path because I think a lot of people don't understand that level of what it's like to have uh, a high needs child. Yeah. Well, switching it is an ongoing battle. I mean, it's, I think um, that is that coming to understand it and accept it is a grief process. And I think grief is circular and uh, kind of, kind of a spiral, like, yeah, a spiral that, you know, the circles get bigger as they go out. And so it takes longer to come back around, but you, it still bites me. I think I quickly 
accepted, okay. I mean, when he didn't stop crying, it was pretty obvious he was not like other kids, right? So the actual autism diagnosis was actually a relief and a validation because I took him to the doctor multiple times before that and said, what is wrong with my son? And he kept saying, well, let's give it a little more time or he's not talking because he has an older sister that does his talking for him. All those kinds of things. He discounted what I knew intuitively. There was something bigger going on that needed addressing. And so in some ways, the diagnosis was a huge relief and validation. Um, that being said, you know, I started off uh, when I was pregnant with him, I was working in a or teaching in a public school, and three of the other teachers were all pregnant also. And we all had our, these four babies, you know, within two months of each other. And so, of course, we started off trying to get together with the babies and all that. Well, that was, you know, I realized quickly we're not, we're not in this same boat with these three other babies. And that is painful. And then all the other people that you know who are having children at the same time as you, and they're going one way and you're going another, and they're they're doing things you thought you'd be doing and you're not doing them. You're going to the doctor and you're doing joint compressions and you're you know your your days are full of just these routines and therapies and um, again it's so isolating. And even you know then when he started school, we fought so hard to have him be placed in this Catholic school. And he had a one-on-one -on -one aid and he had a lot of support and the kids were fabulous and the parents were fabulous. But that also meant he was the special ed kid. You know, he, he didn't have others in the school. And so I was the mom with Will where all the other moms had their typically developing children. And, you know, it's still um, something that I can get really upset, or not upset, but saddened about, um, like all the milestones, turning 13, turning 18 was the big one, turning 21, and, you know, and then as those kids are talking, and they're, you know, I love those moms of the kids that he went to school with, I mean, they're dear friends of mine, but they're talking about where their kid's going to go to college, and you're talking about getting transitional services. You know, you're talking about group homes maybe in the future. You're talking about SSI, and they're talking about SATs, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's still hard. And then all those kids have now graduated from college, and they're going on, some of them are going on to graduate school. And you're, in many ways, still doing the same thing you've been doing for year after year after year after year. I mean, in some ways, Will is so such an old, wise soul, but he's also got, he's also in some ways a, like an eight-year-old with what an eight-year-old can do and what an eight-year-old thinks about. And I mean, he's really into Santa and the Easter Bunny. And you're, you're hearing these conversations about parents, some parents about what their kids are doing. And you're thinking, of course, I want that for your child. You know, I love your child and we need your child out there. You're rocking it, you know, but here I am. I'm still doing this, you know, still doing that. And it's so I guess the, uh, that's the long answer to your question. I mean, it, it's not something you just switch to. It's something you're continually working on. No, but I thank you for sharing that. So honestly, because that's grief. It's not something we get through. It's not you can check off on a calendar like, oh, it's been three years. I'm done with that. I think we have to grieve different aspects of our life at different stages of our life. And yeah. especially 
with children because there are those important mile markers and we have all these expectations built up around it. It can be so hard. And that's why I'm really glad all of you and your family, but especially will have that solid foundation of faith because that's going to guide everything. Definitely. Now, how did you advocate for him at, at the school? Did you have to connect with the diocese? Well, yes, and the archdiocese at that time wasn't loving that idea. But fortunately, the principal and the priest were, they'd already, you know, we just were the squeaky wheel uh, that got the grease. People before us had come to them for the same thing, but things just lined up kind of by the time we got there. And, you know, we were really creative. Having been a costume teacher, I knew how one child can dramatically change the chemistry of the classroom and can take all the teacher's energy. And I didn't want that. And I, we weren't going to let that be the case. We didn't want anything. We wanted him to enhance everybody's education only. And so we, that's how we pitched it, you know. And we said, we will provide a one-on-one aid that we pay for. And we will make sure that your child's in no way compromised. And, I got his, and it started in kindergarten. And some of those kids he went to school with all the way through high school. He also was fortunate enough to be in a Catholic high school, also with support. Those kids were so fabulous. And some of my friends who had two kids or three kids and or more and didn't have a will in their other children's classrooms have talked about the difference and the tremendous impact he did have on them and the empathy and compassion and understanding that those kids learned at such an early age, it really shaped them. And they've gone on to be in amazing professions, I think, as a result. You know, they've gone on to be speech paths and doctors, neurologists, studying the brain. One is a special ed teacher. Uh, I mean, I just know he just had a huge impact on them. But it was the success of his high school, I mean, of his elementary school, and the, the success that it had the impact it had on all the other students that helped us push for the same thing in high school. And again, we were just the family that we were kind of the last straw. They, they'd been already thinking about these kinds of things and wanting these kinds of things, but then along came us that, that were willing to kind of be guinea pigs. And we said that over and over to them. You know, we're, what he learns is really secondary to us. We just want him in this community. So did you pave the way? Like, have there been other high-needs kids at, at both those schools? Yes, especially at his grade school, there have been other high-needs. And eventually, a full-time special ed teacher was hired. Wow. And I know. And she's great. And here's a beautiful story. She was hugely... He, she came along, I think, when Will was in third grade, and she's still there. And, oh, no, actually, that's not true. But she did, we had one who was fabulous, and she came along in third grade. And then the one we have still to this day came along, I think, when he was in uh, sixth or seventh grade. And she's now a mother, and her firstborn child is Will's goddaughter. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, that just brings tears and Will. I know. There was another boy in Will's that came after Will at his school who uh, had special needs. And... He joined, I think he came in third grade, and she made both of those boys her daughter's two godparents, godfathers, 
And she just said, I know that when we get into those teenage years and they don't want to go to school, uh, church anymore, that Will and Jack are going to keep that faith alive for them. So lovely. So, yeah, so it's lovely. Really special. And now, now that little girl is a first grader at the school and Will now volunteers at that school once a week and at a different school twice a week. And he and his goddaughter are sacristans on Thursday morning. They set up for the school mass. So, so, so beautiful. And also a lot of times parents of, of in the special ed world, transition is a huge, huge issue. And that's yeah. something that I advocated and fought for for many, many years that the job doesn't end because someone graduates from public, oh. private, high school because they still have a lifetime and deserve quality of life. Everyone wants something to get up for in the morning. And right. I think it sounds like you were able to bridge that. And I think that for a lot of people, the transition from school services, even if it is a private school, to adult services is a huge abyss to get over. And wanting... Oh, there's so many waiting lists, there's red tape, there are things that people will get on waiting lists years and years prior. And it feels like with your community support, you've been able to make this more amenable for Will, that he does have things to do every day and be part yeah. of life. Right. No, I agree with you that those transition services are tough to get. And um, if you if in, at least in Oregon, you have to graduate with a modified diploma to even get them. I mean, you could have been in special ed that gotten a state diploma and you don't get those services and you are just cut off the minute you graduate. Mm -hmm. And that's just not okay. And then, you know, even if you do get services, those end at 21 as far as transitional services. And, you know, he's, I hate that because he's not done learning just because no. he's 23. You know, I mean, and I, you know how you taught us in the class to keep a validation journal for our mm -hmm. mediumship? I think that parents of special needs kids need to keep something similar to that, where they're writing down things that their kid does now that they didn't used to do. And refer to that because it's really easy to get bogged down. Like, oh, my God, they're never going to learn to do this, you know. And I never thought Will could handle a wallet, for instance. I never wanted him to carry more than $5 in his pocket. Well, he does have a wallet now with ID and a debit card and cash, and he manages it. Mm -hmm. And that is something he did not have at 21 or 22, but he does have at 23. And I know he's going to continue to learn and gain skills if those are things he wants to learn, you know, like the wallet he wanted. He didn't want me doling out $5. He wanted to do it. You know, it's that's key in him was he has, it has to be his idea and he has to be highly motivated. But I, yeah, I think that after 21, I mean, there really is a major abyss and that's just really sad. But well, it all comes down to empower, not enable. Yes, that's just so true. And I'm sure you'll establish a new pathway and make new laws for helping high needs kids in their 20s. I mean, look at you, look at what you've already accomplished. He <laughs> well, might not maybe. be done growing and learning, but it sounds like you weren't either. <laughs> no, I know. You get something stuck in your cry, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. um, tell me, in all of us, did you, do you feel that working with this situation these last 20 plus years, did it bring out your empathy and your intuition or 
did it create it or did it just strengthen it? You know, having to be so strong and set those firm boundaries and be such a voice for your son. Do you think that impacted you being this intuitive spiritual person you are now or was it always there? Well, I think it was always there. I think I was born that way. But um, like I said earlier, I think that um, now here at midlife, I'm like, I didn't even have that word empath until you guys came along in my life. You know, even though that's probably what I've been, I'm sure, forever, I didn't have that word, you know. And so I always had the faith. My spiritual journey has zigged and zagged, but it definitely really took off when he came along. I mean, I just thought, the good news is about having something in your life that is, quote, unquote, a crisis. It does shatter old beliefs and ways and that's that can be good right I and mean, those just don't work anymore you have to do something differently and that was that was the catalyst really was thinking okay new game here you know got to do this differently and um it definitely strengthened all of that i already had within me yeah and it sounds like it's part of the the reason why he chose you as his mom it just feels like it yeah. goes hand in hand Totally. Yeah. And it's helpful to, you know, I think it's really, for me, it's been helpful to believe that our children choose us because it is, I think special needs parents can feel so guilty, especially the moms. They go back to the pregnancy. Was it that we lived on a bus line and there was pollution? Was it the anchovies I ate that one time in the salad? You know, on and on. We beat ourselves up thinking, how did we, what did we do wrong? You know, why did these other people have healthy babies and I have this? That's um, the worst. You know, I just had to have Chloe's IEP updated for her dyslexia and I had to turn it in because she's starting high school. And I'm reading through the notes and it literally says in black and white, when mother was pregnant, uh-huh. <laughs> father was shot in line of duty, stress that this caused mother most likely contributed to Chloe's learning disability. There you go, right there. Right there. I'm not <laughs> totally your fault. Right? Yeah, it's all my fault. I, yes, obviously. Ugh. I know. I hate that. I hate that. It's always the mother. Always, always. Yeah, I still get over it. I still have to get over that. I still have to remind myself, no, he's exactly who he was supposed to be. You know, and I feel like that in a bigger way that this quote unquote epidemic of autism, I also don't think that's an accident. I do think they bring forth a change energy that we need on this planet. And I'm excited about that, even though it's so hard on so many people, but they're breaking systems, you know, and those systems need to be broken and reinvented and and it's forcing that to happen. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I have thought about that and talked about that with my friends who have autistic children. And half of my friends will say, well, I'm sure we always had autism and we just didn't have a label for it. And then it's a very divided camp. And then the other half says, yeah. no, I think they're incarnating now for a very special reason. Well, I think it's a combo of those two. I think we've always had it, but not to this degree. I mean, it's really, there are a lot. And I think it is, they're incarnate, they're choosing to incarnate to bring that change energy. They, I mean, Will vibrates. I mean, he literally vibrates. I can walk in the house and feel him. And 
he might not even be making any noise at all, but he vibrates. And I think, I can't speak for all, but I think that many of them, they do, they're raised in the vibration and they are choosing to incarnate. I'm excited about it, even though, like I said, it's so brutal and hard. It's ultimately really good. Well, going back to pregnancy birth metaphors, I mean, pregnancy and birth is brutal and hard and yet look what comes True. out of it. And I think that's as a consciousness, you know, in many ways here on earth, we're going through a pregnancy and birth. And I do think autistic children are a part of that bringing us into the light. Now I have to share a quick story and I wonder if Will has this same thing. My friend whose son is also autistic cannot tell a lie. <laughs> and she cracks us up with her stories. Like she had to, just before Christmas, she was throwing a party and then she had to go to her um, other son's teacher-parent conference meeting. And so her, her special needs son is in the car with her. So she had to stop at the ABC store and get vodka, you know, as you do for <laughs> Christmas parties. And then she's running late and beating traffic, so she's road raging her way to the school. They sit down with the teacher, and her son said, he says, what have you all been doing this afternoon? And her son goes, buying vodka and screaming at strangers in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. does will have that inability to lie as well he, ha he totally has that inability to lie and he also has the inability to keep a secret oh my god don't ever tell him oh, you know well, that's the present be... we're giving dad because oh. the minute dad comes home he'll like we bought you socks for christmas you know <laughs> the minute um no, but I love that. Again, it's that childlike innocence that he still has, which I'm so grateful for. It's so refreshing. No, well, it speaks lie. to their it's pure spirit. Totally pure. And you know, the other thing that I wanted to mention is he has the most amazing effect on other people, strangers. And people quickly, you know, the checker at the grocery store, the bank teller, wherever we are, they quickly can tell that there's something a little different about him. It's not obvious just by looking at him right away. Then you start to talk and you're like, okay, let me recalibrate. But they, I can't think of anyone ever in the 23 years who hasn't um, been super kind and helpful to him. It's like he just has this magic about him that makes people want to meet him halfway or more than halfway, go overboard. So he brings out the best in people. Yeah. Wow. How did you feel writing the book? You know, you talk about the mom guilt. Did you feel vulnerable sharing all of this? Or was it healing or, or a combination? It was a combination. It was, I felt absolutely driven to write that book. I mean, there was, there was no way I couldn't write it. It was just, and that book had many iterations before it became that. And I just couldn't stop till it was done. And I, so I knew I had to write it. I knew I ultimately the goal was to make others feel like they're not the only one. I thought if one person reads this and they go, okay, I see myself in that. I'm not alone. I thought it will be worth it. I was really nervous the impact it would have on our church community. And they have been super, super great about it. I mean, they've hosted book readings and they've had me over and and they've you know very much loved and accepted will but it i did feel vulnerable and at the same and exposed and you know you're pouring out your heart and soul and your baggage and all that at the same time it was really healing 
Another beautiful, beautiful thing you do in your book. And anyone, if you're looking, just as my plug for you, Carrie, because I haven't enjoyed a, a book as much as I've enjoyed this in a long time. It's a, it's a very, you're an incredible writer. So thank you for sharing this. But also what I loved was that you bridged religion, spirituality, and even introduced metaphysical viewpoints as well. So that you, you normalized that so many people that, and everything else aside, it was brave as hell to go to put this out being a, a practicing Catholic with some of the things that you bring through about spirituality and metaphysics. Yeah, I know that part scared me, but they, like I said, our, at least our parish has been really accepting of it. I was more worried probably about some of my relatives that are um, fundamentalists. I was more mm-hmm. concerned about that. And, you know, talking about Tarot or um, any of the things that I'm going to see a clairvoyant or any of the things I mentioned in the book, Astrology. But I haven't heard any, I, if they've read it, they haven't talked to me about it. So it hasn't been an issue. Just to jump back what you were saying about the purity of energy and the vibration, mm-hmm. I can attest to that. It's a visceral thing. It is a unique and it's a different wavelength. It's a different pattern of energy. Mm-hmm. And when I was working in the employability program where I, we ran a commercial kitchen, we, wrote, we raised organic seedlings, and it was so fascinating to feel the energetic differences with the students in my program who, who were on the spectrum or, or who yeah. had those tendencies because it was, it was like a thumbprint. Each one was so unique. This is where they're here now to help with this shift energetically that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Did it have any impact on the garden itself, their different vibration and energy? Yes, yes. We grew the most beautiful, be- and, and that's interesting you bring that up because I would, we would get the seedlings, we'd get this beautiful soil, we had lights, we did the whole thing, and then we were involved with community gardens and service work and all that stuff. But the last and they were gorgeous. They were absolutely these beautiful, lush, gorgeous plants. The year that the I had the one uh, young man who was on the spectrum and he didn't want to do the plants. He didn't like soil. He didn't want to do that. It truly made a difference that year. The plants weren't as robust. And can we equate it to wow. that? I don't know. But I yeah. had some students who were so vigilant and excited and caring and nurturing for those plants that it was beautiful to see that because it was a lifelong skill they could carry over but also yeah. bringing that energy into new life coming mm, i love that oh, yeah it was fun how great so carrie can you talk a little bit about your new book that you're working on well it's a memoir also it's not a sequel and it's going to be um all about the metaphysics all these different tools and uh practices that i've learned and kind of the journey through them. You guys are going to be in the book, I'm afraid to tell you, because um, you guys have been a big part of that for me. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm working your, on it now. How do you, because this is what people always ask me when I talk about stuff like this, is your church on board with this? Like, how do you reconcile your faith with this work? I don't think I care as much anymore. About, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the best I, answer. <laughs> Um, it's, I've reconciled it for me. I mean, it's, it's just not, it's a non-issue for me. So I don't care so much if the higher ups are on board or not on board. 
Well, you did see that letter they put out in 2016 where they approved it, the Vatican. Approved what specifically? They approved um, discerning spirits. Like they worded it all funky and, you know, secular language. But they, they approved discerning of spirits and healing works. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll have well, to post it like again. You guys, have talked, you guys have talked about on the show many times that so many people in this work have, were raised Catholic. Yeah. I definitely so think, I think there's a connection. Yeah. I, and, you know, when I was growing up Protestant, um, we never talked about saints. We never talked about any of this stuff. So in some ways, I'm glad that I am a Catholic now because I feel like it's even more supportive than it would have been if I'd stayed in my other faith. Right. You'd be hard-pressed to find a saint who wasn't psychic. Right. So I think there's <laughs> something there. Now, do you feel that you, I know you said Will is very verbal, but do you still feel with your intuition and his pure spirit that you two connect sometimes on a mind-to-mind level or a heart-to-heart way? Totally. You know We're I mean? telepathic. Like you, that's that's the word I was looking for. See yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> we are telepathic. I mean, I will, like, he wanted to go to this hideous restaurant far from our house that had a train in it one time. We did it years ago. And then one day I was saying, God, I'm glad I never have to go to that pizza parlor with that train. Five minutes later, he says, how about on Monday with Timmy, we go to that caboose place. <laughs> I mean, he, <laughs> it happens all the time. He reads my thoughts. You know, I'll be thinking a song in my head. He'll start singing it or he'll play it on YouTube, on his iPad or it all the time. We're telepathically connected for sure. And I always thought it was him reading my thoughts, but now I'm starting to wonder if it's two way, you know, I'm also, I'm all, I wonder if that's why I thought of the song was he was already thinking of the song, you know? Right. I agree. Now, I'm still back to the almost two years of nonstop crying because (laughs) anytime my kids did that, it was so hard on me. Do you think that souls who come to earth with these, you know, very hard, fulfilling and rich soul plans, do you think that's part of why they cry so much in the beginning? Yeah, I think the earth was not a vibrational match for him. Right. Yeah. Right, that he's vibrating so high that to be in yeah. this dense third dimension is just a shock to their soul. Yeah, yeah, just really discordant. Yeah, just really couldn't do it. And I think, Denise, you said something about the physical impact. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, those times I had, you know, migraines, I had um, lumps in my breast that had to be removed, I had. IBS, GERD, I mean, all kinds of physical symptoms for years, you know, and I wish now, I wish I knew then what I knew now, and I wish I had had more of a meditation practice. I don't know when I would have fit one in, to be fair to myself, but I wished I'd had more relaxation techniques that I could have employed then, and maybe that's my advice to moms dealing with that now, is just even that minute here and minute there of just deep breathing would be helpful. That's such an important reminder. What are some other self-care techniques you would, you would recommend to parents dealing with what you Well, would? yeah, I was able to uh, sustain a walking practice with a dear friend. And I mean, we would go 5.30 in the morning if we had to, if that was the only time that I could go before my husband left for work. 
so the physical activity, my prayer, uh, my writing. For me, I mean, the self-care at that time in my life, it was not going to look like going and getting a massage or a manicure or any of those things people say to go do. But to just even a few minutes by myself, even if it's just in the shower, I wish I'd had noise cancellation headphones at that point <laughs> in my life too. <laughs> and I would say, if you're a mom out there listening to this and your baby cries nonstop, they're a game changer. That would have been so helpful if I could have just not heard it all the time. I think the walking with a friend is key. That was instrumental for me in my early years of raising kids. And we used to joke that we were like the post office, you know, neither rain nor snow nor sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we would walk in the rain and we would walk in any weather and any time, but we committed. I mean, it started out very, you know, it's hard when you're first meeting friends, you know, do you want to go for a walk? But once we established, I think at first it was a New Year's thing, like we're going to get this baby weight off. But then we realized it wasn't about exercise. It was kind of a sanity saver. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I still have my same early morning walking partner that I've had all these years. And we have now done four marathons together. Wow. Yeah, I mean, she, it's been great. I mean, and she's journeyed with me through all these years, you know, in fact, she was one of his one-on-one aides. She volunteered every Wednesday morning for eight years to work with him in the classroom. Oh, wow. What a gift of yeah. friendship. Yeah. Friendship is key. Okay. Which yeah. also really exemplifies the need for continuity for yourself, for your son, for your family, just having something that was all yours, but also for him to have that continuity of the same person, the same face. That's a yeah. big deal. That's a huge oh, deal. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's one reason we'll never move because <laughs> that's where all his support <laughs> is. <laughs> and yours. Yeah. And mine. It sounds like it's this perfect dance for you of surrender and acceptance and fighting and changing things. Oh, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. You know, it just seems like you've had to surrender to some things and accept that this is the way some things are, like we're never going to move. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, you're still fighting for your son, for your family, for yourself, and you're making really important changes, not only for for Will, but for other kids as well. I hope you pat yourself on the back from time to time. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) From time to time. (laughs) Really, I think that is so important. What would you say to a mom or dad listening to this who is trying to advocate for their son, but they don't have a lot of resources, and maybe they are a shy empath, and they don't feel comfortable being the squeaky wheel? Do you recommend writing letters to like your representatives? Are there any other tools or strategies you could give to people who maybe don't feel comfortable walking into the principal's office? Um. I guess I would, I don't know about writing letters. I guess try to uh, team up. If there is anyone else you could team up with maybe and join your forces, I would recommend that. That's a great idea. Just reaching out to your local community. And even even on Facebook, there are so many yeah. local groups where parents can get together and advocate. Yes. Yeah. Facebook has been huge. Yeah, we didn't have that. Um, oh, one thing I did definitely wanted to mention that I did have a, uh, in-person support group for years and I hosted it at my house once a month for moms 
and we gathered for years and that was so we did also support each other online through emails through i mean this was really before facebook we would send you know resources that we had found and share them with each other but gathering one-on-one face-to-face once a month that was really helpful too and you had that safe place where you could just let down and tell people what was going on i mean in, in, we didn't try to have it just be like a bitch fest, but we, um, tried to offer real, each other really practical advice. I remember when I was just wondering, like, how is Will going to go from taking a bath to taking a shower? Um, where I'd given him his baths for years and years and years, and then it was becoming obvious that that was inappropriate and he needed to shower by himself. I remember asking my group, you know, how, okay, so how did you guys do that? You know, and that was so helpful. Online support is great. And, but one-on-one face-to-face is even better. Can I interject one thing from a professional standpoint is the, uh, in every single state, you, there are parental rights as well as children's rights for a special education. If you're not sure, or you haven't been given your rights, you can contact your state government for that information. If you're not feeling supported in your school, there are advocacy programs at no cost in most states, but you and your child are covered on a federal and a state level. So that's not a plug. That's just, I think it's really important if someone is feeling, well, those aren't available in my community, or I live in a really rural place, or they told me that I can't have that. Please know that you're covered legally for you and for your child. Very, very important. Yeah, and that's good. It, well, and it's and it's not about Catholic school or public school. It's because if you are choosing an alternative educational placement, the public school district is still uh, available because of your residency. So right. uh, I think those are just practical things to think about if you are feeling out of like alone or isolated or don't know where to turn. But I'm so, so grateful that you've had the supports that you have and that you found those supports for yourself and your son, Carrie, because that's so inspirational for so many other parents that are going through this. Yeah. And before we wrap up, I just feel like we have to shout out your husband. I've never met him, but he just (laughs) seems like such a great guy, you know, like, oh, we're converting to Catholicism. My (laughs) wife's writing a book. Oh, my wife's a medium. Like, it just seems like he's so on board and supportive. He is, and I appreciate that shout out for him. He deserves that. Yeah, he has been, you know, he and I are super different. And the things I have gotten on board with, he has supported whether or not he even knew what it was. <laughs> but he has, he continues to be very supportive. And um, you're right, he does deserve a shout out. And, and so do all those partners out there that are staying in the game. Yeah, fighting the good fight and and compromising and meeting halfway. That's what it's all about. I've always said that marriage is nothing more than two people saying yes to the same dream. Mm, And you guys have said yes to this dream of we're going to be a family. Whatever that looks like for us, Mm -hmm. we're going to be a family. And I love that, that you focus on the positives of this. And, you know, sometimes... I've had several of my own challenges in life and, you know, yeah, they suck and I can, I can throw a pity party with the best of them. But for the most part, I look at the blessings. Like I think the blessings of things like these situations are that we can drop that illusionary lore of perfection. Yeah. And that's a gift. Oh, I agree. Totally. Yeah. I don't think I would have liked myself had he not come along because I would have cared about things 
such different things. Yeah. 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 The random, we, you should, you should hear some of my uh, peers, acquaintances. I don't know. Like now that my oldest is getting ready for college and she chose a state school. Oh my God, Carrie, you should hear uh-huh. the people. They're like, Oh, well state schools can be very good as well. Oh you know, man. Oh yeah. I know we're uh-huh. not going to Harvard and it's right. fine. Like the people yeah. are competitive over the most ridiculous things. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, and you get over that with special needs kids. Like, oh, I'm so sorry about your state school, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she is healthy and kind and smart, and that's, you know, yes. it's all that matters about any yes. of our kids, you know. They're just, they're right. good people. Right. Well, I wonder if you're ever going to write a book with Will. Ooh. Oh, I like that idea. You know, like, would I, can't you guys see, like, a children's book of, like, going to church with Will or, you know, like, Ooh. just... Love it. That would be really cool. Or you could just do a book of like Mother Mary and Will or something like that. Oh, great idea. I'm rambling. Sorry. I just feel like, (laughs) I just feel like he's such an integral part of your writing and I I think he'll be, you know, he'll continue to be. Yeah. I love that idea. Those ideas. Thank you. Tell people where they can find your blog. My blog is called Love Period. And if you, you can Google that. It's under blogger or you can just Google um, my name. I'm Googleable, Carrie Wilson Blink, and you'll find it. Perfect. And we will post links in the show notes and on our Facebook page. And can special needs parents reach out to you for questions? Are you comfortable? They certainly with that? can. Yes, they can. They can reach me at Carrie Wilson Link at gmail.com. Perfect. And the name of your book, again, is Will of God, Embracing the Relentless Love of a Special Child. I just love that title, too, The Relentless Love. <laughs> there's so much in that phrase right there. Mm, thank you. I think you. I think you've captured the wonderful bond between you and Will and, and your whole family just in that title. And it's on Amazon. You can get it anywhere. Um, yep. But we really hope that you just Google Carrie Link, check out her blog, and and just, you know, say thank you to her for sharing her story and reach out to her if you have any questions, but definitely check out the book because, it, yes, as Denise said, it's, it's well-written. I don't, Denise, I, I know you're a, you're, you read a lot, but I don't hear you go on and on about a book often. No, no, I don't. And I'm really particular about good writing. And that sounds kind of snotty pie pants, and I don't mean it that way. <laughs> I, just, I just really, really appreciate good writing. And this is beautifully written. The flow, the voice, the, the it, you did, it's lovely, Carrie. So thank you. Oh, thank you both. Yeah, thank you so much. So it's love, period. It's Carrie Link. You can find her at carrielink.blogspot.com. And her email is carriewilsonlink at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Carrie. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Don't forget, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care. Bye-bye.